I'm your host, Dan, co-host Andy. Andy, how are you doing today? Good. Week three in the lockdown, holding tight. Well, happy Good Friday. we got a good show ahead. we got lots of sports, lots of updates, uh, lots of music, and including today's special guest uh, here on episode 22. Uh, we're going to do an interview here with uh, Jason Inc., and we're going to bring him on. Do uh, you have anything to go to right away, or do you want to start off with Jason, Andy? Uh, we'll spend some rough and stuff done to Jason right away, then we'll come back to a normal pro- program, if you will. Oh, perfect. Okay, let's head into some wrestling here uh, uh, on the episode. Let's go ahead. All right, welcome, Jason. Welcome to the program. Thank you. Thank you for having me back again. It's a privilege to be back again. You're over there at the, uh, the tattoo parlor. Um, you said you're talking. Just looking to shout out to all the new, all the Thank <laughs> you. 
job today. Try to get fans into roughing itself. We're going behind the curtain. We're going to go over some terminology here. Behind the curtain, if you will. And I guess one to one start with is the term smarten someone up. What does it mean to smarten someone up?
crowd pops or you pop for something, that just means you got really excited and into it, correct? Stuff to report? 
I've got none of that. I've got I, some uh, some images to bring on the screen when you go through your uh, your this day in history and this time. And I've got some NFL and NFL notes, and of course our music notes. All right, I got a couple college things: Bemidji State hockey, Bemidji State women's hockey. Uh, after after 12 years, Bemidji State women's hockey assistant head coach Amber Falkland has announced she's going to step down from coaching except the position as professor position at BSU's Department of Human Performance, Sport, and Health. So she's after 12 years of coaching, she's going to be back in just teaching part. Also speaking of the women's team, goalie Lauren Bench has decided to grad transfer from BSU down to the Gophers, where she's going to work on her degree for a medical school and play for the Gophers this year. So BSU has some changes for the women's team up there, but a good program there. They'll both be missed, but... I'm sure the list of people to fill in is going to take care of it. So that's what I got there. And I do have some baseball stuff real quick. Have you heard anything about baseball signings or deals you want to talk about? Or should I just dive into my... Nothing, nothing, uh, uh, nothing on my perspective, no.
talked about various things with uh, with the lockdown and what we can and cannot cover. One of the things I thought was interesting, we brought up in the past, you know, we've got the coronavirus lockdown here going on. We can't do human yep. sports. We can certainly cover track, drive, race, uh, horse, horse racing, dog track racing, uh, cockfighting, things like that is what we could bring up, you know. And, and, and what I get here, here locally, great story. Great story locally. We just came in, just came into the mix here. Just want to make sure we all see this here. The story, South St. Paul, cockfighting ring was exposed and followed that with a high-speed chase that resulted in a Maplewood man's arrest. And so this came up, and, and we're talking about sports. And, those, and although this is sports-related here, Andy, this is a great topic here for sports and songs. During the lockdown, we got a cockfighting incident. Problem is, it doesn't relate. It doesn't mention the results, who won, who didn't, what was the money, what was the payout, what was the odds. And what are your thoughts on that? Sports. I mean, anytime I can make a buck, I'll make a buck. Um, and to a point, you know, if that's the culture down there where it was, it is what it is. Is it legal? Is it? The main study you get on it, that's another story for another day. If they want to have cops fighting. Oh, this, this was locally. Yeah. This is in St. Paul. Yeah, well, so, uh, interesting. Uh, we are a melting pot in St. Paul, you know, so. Um, exactly. And it shows different cultures, different people. And, you know, the sad thing is, it's probably been going on for years. It's just that there's this lockdown and nothing else going on for it to show up. Correct. Uh, so, uh, so it is interesting. They're staying indoors, uh, doing the safe thing, doing the cockpit, fighting down in the basement instead of, of a home. And uh, so interesting. But like like you said, this has probably been going on for years. It just happened to get busted now. The problem is the, uh, the dude left on a high-speed chase and uh, was arrested. So that's all I've really got for us.
yesterday by the Texans that he has wanted, uh, he's demanding a trade. He wants to be, he wants to get out. So uh, from a fantasy perspective, a lot of movement there in the NFL uh, relating to uh, the Houston Texans. So those are really the team to watch here in the offseason. Um, but that's all I've got. That's all I've got for that's all I've got for NFL and Major League Sports. This week in sports history, if you're ready for that. Yes, this week in sports history. Uh, yeah, I think you've got some good ones here. What I did on a new format here on Be Live, I've got some images to pull up. So go ahead. I'll stop right. you when I've got an image to pull up here on the screen for the viewers. But other than that, just take it away. All right. Uh, this week in sports history, start April 5th, 1934. Baseball superstar Babe Ruth agrees to do three 15-minute broadcasts a week over on NBC for a fee of $39,000 for 13 weeks. 4000 more than what the Yankees were paying him in this contract. Uh, April 5th, 1972. The regular Major League Baseball season fails to open due to a player strike for the first time in history. 86 games are lost before the labor dispute is settled. 1982. 43-year-old St. Louis reliever Jim Cott pitches one inning for the Cardinals in the season opening 14-3 route of Houston. Sets a major league record by pitching for pitchers by playing in 24 consecutive seasons. 2014, Twins manager Ryan Gardner Hire picks up his 1,000th win in the majors as the Twins score a 7-3 victory over Cleveland Indians. April 6, 1979, Baltimore Orioles manager Earl Weaver gets his 1,000th win as a 5-3 victory over the White Sox. And 1982, the largest crowd ever to see a baseball game in Minnesota, 52,279. Not rocket science to figure out that to be the first day in the Metrodome. April 5th, birthdays. 1951, Burt Blylevin, former Twins pitcher, uh, was born. He was born in the Netherlands. Uh, Blylevin also coaches in the World League Baseball for the Netherlands. He's uh, still in there in Twins announcer. You ever go see Burt Blylevin there? He's got no problem showing you his world championship rings. He's got them wearing and flashes them around. And I would too, I guess. Right, I want to Andy, uh, I'll hold up a bit here. I've got some interesting photos. I don't know if you can see on the screen here. Earl Weaver, going back yeah. to the Earl Weaver story. Uh, yeah. Right of our screen is, is him managing for the Orioles. And a uh, very good manager is what he was. Now, on the bottom left, a rare photo of Mr. Earl Weaver playing for the Cardinals in the minors. Minor league photo of Earl Weaver. I went and found that out there uh, on the web. I thought you'd get a kick out of that one. And wow, photo of Earl Weaver playing for the Cardinals. Yeah, a lot of those great managers like him or Tom Kelly or Tommy Lasorda for the Dodgers. They were good minor league players, average major league players, and make Hall of Fame coaches. So that's kind of exciting to see those. They're, what, and Earl Weaver played what, second base, does it say? Uh, I don't know. I believe so. I, I can't confirm it, though. All right. Uh, April 7th, uh, this week in sports history, 1958. The Dodgers erected a 42-foot screen in left field on L.A. Coliseum, cut out on the home runs, but it was only 250 feet down the, 250 down that line at the time. And on opening day, 19, or not opening day, I'm sorry, but opening of the season, 1984, Detroit Tigers pitcher Jack Morris no hits the White Sox 4 nothing. I, I just, again, I assume it was opening day. Morris was starting and the opening day. 
1995, baseball exhibition season began late due to a strike then. Birthdays for April 7th, 1954, Tony Dorsett of the Cowboys uh, went to the University of Pittsburgh. The uh, Super Bowl, Pro Bowls, um, Cowboys player. I believe his son is in the NFL now, too, as a safety. Uh, Tony Dorsett, birthday 1954. 1960, James Buster Douglas was born. Uh, he's the guy who shot the world and beat Tyson in Japan in 1990. Uh, April 8th, this week in sports history, 1968. Baseball's opening day is postponed because of the Martin Luther King assassination. 1974, Hammer Hank Aaron hits his 715th home run, breaking Babe Ruth's record. And in my opinion, Hank Aaron is still our run champion. But, another story again for another day. Blood Bonds and Silsa, all those guys do the steroids. Yeah, their numbers counted, but you really change the game by doing that. Uh, 1975, Frank Robinson debuts as the first African-American baseball manager with Cleveland, and they beat the Yankees 5-3 that day. Birthday is April 8th, 1954. Gary Carter, uh, former Expos and Mets pitcher, or catcher, a Hall of Famer. Uh, his birthday, he just passed away. An average was passing was a few weeks ago, too. Uh, he right. was managing in the minors. Oh, there they are, cards. There they are. And what I've got here, Andy, bottom left is uh, Joe, Joe, uh, Gary Carter, number eight for the Mets. Played many years with the Expo as uh, number eight. Uh, good shot there. But on the bottom right, I found a card, a photo of a card, 1974. We have Gary Carter wearing number 57. Number 57. And that's a rare... That's a rare photo right there because, I don't know if you can see it here, uh, that was a minor league number. They called him up, assigned him number 57, and threw a baseball card for Gary Carter. It's not even a rookie card. That's, I think he was in the league a, a year already before this card came out. So a rare card uh, as far as that goes. Correct. Very nice. I have that card, by the way. I have all those cards. You do? Uh, yeah. I do, yeah. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. I'm, I'm yeah. like, yeah. yeah. I'll look at them if you want. I'm not going to let you touch them. Uh, Gary Carter's always been a fan of mine. I know he's a big fan. You're a big fan of his, but um, yeah. I always like yeah. Gary Carter, a big fan. Uh, well, I continue on birthdays uh, that day, April 1986. Felix Fernandez of the Mariners, and now uh, he's still trying to catch on in the league. He's still pitching. Uh, 1986 was his birthday. Um, 1953, the NBA Finals, NBA Championship Finals, Minneapolis Auditorium, Minneapolis, Minnesota. The Lakers beat the Knicks 91-84 for a 4-1 series victory, giving the Lakers their fifth title in six years. Um, so everybody likes the Los Angeles Lakers. They started here. Why would Los Angeles name their team the Lakers for crying out loud? And when the Minneapolis Lakers played here, championships all the time. You see George Mike, and that's him, his statue at Target Center if you ever go there, being number 99. That was him there with the Lakers. Birthday is April 9th. Here's one. I did not know this. 1936, John Madden, NFL coach of the Raiders and sports commentator, was born in Austin, Minnesota. I did not know that. 
a local a local guy. I've got the image up there. Uh, favorite on the uh, you know a lot of the younger viewers just know the video game called Madden, and as far as his broadcasting career, uh, John Madden in the booth. But longtime head coach Oakland Raiders. There's an image there from the '70s. Uh, as far as John Madden, a local guy.
Heavy metal bassist Paul Gray of Slipknot is born in Los Angeles, California, but raised in Des Moines, Iowa. In 1963, John Lennon is born John Charles Lennon, John Charles Julian Lennon, the first child of John Lennon and his first wife, Catherine. Or, I'm sorry, Cynthia. Uh, 1962, guitarist Izzy Stradlin is born uh, in Rose's fame. Born Jeffrey Dean Isabel and Lafayette, Louisiana. Um, let's see. April 9th, 1997. Amidst personal tensions between its band members, Soundgarden announces their breakup, which lasts for 13 years. Uh, birthday is 1977. Alternate rock singer Gerald Way of My Chemical Romance is born in Summit, New Jersey. 1932, rockabilly singer Carl Perkins is born in Tennessee. Carl Perkins is very influential in uh, music and bluegrass and country music and some rock music, if you know what you're talking about, you follow music. April 10th, 1992, brash stand-up comedian Sam Kinison, who also appeared in some music videos for uh, Bad Medicine and Kickstart My Heart and Wild Thing. There he is, Sam Kinison. Died at the age of 38 in a car crash when he was hit by a teen drunk driver. Sam Kinison, 38. Those who allow his comedy, it's hard to believe Sam Kinison was also a minister at one time before he went into comedy. On some of his old comedy, he mentioned some uh, religious things in there. Um, so there's Sam Kinison, 38. He was also in Best Bit Ever, the movie Back to School of Him and Rodney Dangerfield. Best scene in that movie. YouTube and look it up. It was a great scene. Um, birthdays, 1970. Heavy metal guitarist. Mike Massac of Stain is born in New York. She was one of my favorite bits here. April 11, 1983. Dave Mustaine is kicked out of Metallica because of his drug and alcohol addictions. Soon after, he forms Megadeth, which becomes one of the most successful metal bands of its era. Megadeth was good. They weren't one of the most successful bands. I just want to clear that up. I like them. They're good. Don't get me wrong. Successful. That's up for debate. 2017, Jay Giles, guitarist and founding member of the Jay Giles Band, dies at the age of 71. 1997, after a 20-year absence, Grand Funk reformed for a tour that benefits Bosnian American Relief Effort Fund, which aids victims of the genocide in Bosnia. Side note to that, in the year 2000, Bruce Kulik, former guitarist for KISS, joins Grand Funk because Paul and Gene went back into the band, the original band, and the makeup and tour, and then Bruce was out of a job. So he went back and he plays for Grand Funk now. Uh, doing a great job, loving life over there. 1970 alt rock bassist Dylan Keefe of Marcy, of Marcy Playground. Never heard of him, but gotta mention it because he's a local boy, born in Minneapolis, Minnesota. 1970. And that, sir does it for birthdays this week in music history. What do you got for your album review? Well, uh, Andy, I've got an album review for this week. Let's see. You can you hear me? Yep, I got you. Uh, album review this week, Def Leppard. This is time. the first time I've done a Def Leppard uh, album review, and I'm going to bring it up here. In 1981, High and Dry album. And the 
And the reason I bring this one up, it was good. It was a second studio album by English rock band Def Leppard released in July of 1981. It was uh, Willis's last full-time album with the band, and it charted at number 38 on the Billboard uh, 200. It ended up going double platinum, 42 minutes long, heavy metal, recorded at Battery Studios in London. And this was recorded uh, between March and June of 1981 and released in July uh, in both the UK and the US. Producer Robert Lang, once again, we brought him up on previous episodes. Uh, a lot of the going back to ACDC and, and things, uh, Robert Mutt Lang did this one. Def Leppard, a lot of the fans came on board with Pyromania, the album that came out in 1983. But if you go one album before this, it's actually this one. It's the High and Dry CD. It's actually probably the, one could argue, the better, actually, of the two. Side one on the cassette was Let It Go. Uh, very good, very good song. Number two, song two was another hit and run. Song three was High and Dry, Saturday Night. Uh, that's the uh, the title track here. Four, song four was bringing on the heartbreak, which a lot of people uh, like that. And then song five, a song called Switch 625. It's an instrumental. It's a three-minute instrumental with some very good guitar work from Steve Clark. Uh, basically, he's featured on it, but the rest of the band plays. There's just no vocals on it. Straight up instrumental. I listened to it the other day before uh, reviewing this, uh, while doing this as part of my homework, Andy, and uh, it's pretty good almost just to watch. Uh, there's a, a compilation on YouTube of all Steve Clark's work. He died at age 30, January of 1991. That was a very good guitarist. Side two was You Got Me Running, Lady Strange, On Through the Night. Song nine was Mirror, Mirror parentheses, look into my eyes, and the final track is No, No, No. Now, on through the night, you're a Def Leppard fan, Andy, right? So on through the night actually was a previous album, their debut album was on through the night, and the, the title track of that wasn't even on the album on through the night. It was uh, moved and placed onto this album, High and Dry, so it's a trivia question of sorts. I don't know if you remember this, but I was a big, uh, or still am a big Led Zeppelin fan. And they did that also on a song called Houses of the Holy. I don't know if you remember that. Houses of the Holy is featured on the album called Physical Graffiti. Houses of the Holy, the album, doesn't even have the song Houses of the Holy on it, but it's instead it's on a different album altogether. Now, in Led Zeppelin's defense, they had the tracks all laid down ready to all record it and throw on the album. And the producers said that they had two or three other songs in that album called Houses of the Holy that sounded very similar with the uh, the melody and the uh, and song actually called Houses of the Holy. So they elected to keep it off and release it on the following album. And so that was it. The personnel for Jeff Clever, Joe Elliott, of course, lead singer, Deep Clark, one of the and I'll, I'll mention one of the lead guitarists. Uh, they've got he played lead and rhythm, and Pete Willis played lead and rhythm. So in the liner notes of this uh, CD, there is on the various solos for each song. They split them up. Pete Clark does some. Pete Willis does some. Rick Savage plays the bass, and Mr. Rick Allen, drummer, back when he had both arms. 
and came out, uh, he lost his arm. So they had some uh, issues uh, with that. The singles released from this album is Let It Go, which is the uh, initial track. But the B side of that was Switch 625, which is once again that instrumental, which I thought was interesting that they released as a B side as a single uh, on that other side. The other single that was released was Bring It On the Heartbreak. Everyone knows that. And Me and My Why. And that is, I believe, it. It went double platinum. And the cover art there that I'm showing on the right-hand side, it was done by a company called Hypnosis. Hypnosis. So the various the fans and, the, and everyone looking up and the diver diving down for high and dry. And I think that's a, uh, that's a marijuana uh, reference there as far as uh, drug use for the band uh, back in the day. This was 1981. But boy, they did become huge with this area that came out later. More mainstream, of course, more commercialized. I like this, but I like these two better. Uh, this one and uh, High and Dry and Pyromania were my two personal favorites uh, from that. What were your thoughts, Andy, on those, on those well, when you talk about Steve, Steve Clark, when he passed away, I believe that was here in Minneapolis. Okay. Oh, really? Yes. Yep. We've got a lot of great artists come from here, and a lot of them leave from here, if you will. Wow. Interesting. Yep, yep. Steve Clark, I believe, was in Minneapolis when he passed away, yeah. And then uh, the other guitarist said, now, Phil Collins must have replaced him after that album? Well, he, Phil Collins came in after that, and when they did, they did a remix, uh, in 1984, and brought you know Phil Collins was in the band at the time, not to be confused with Phil Collins from Genesis, but Phil Collins came in and they re-released on the remix "Bring It On the Heartbreak" and "Me and My Wine." Released that on MTV, which was reaching uh, big, there, there was a heyday back then, and the music video was released featured Phil Collins and guitar for those two songs. Uh, keep in mind he was not even on the in the band for those two songs when they originally were released in 1981. So Phil Collins is in those music videos. That's all I've got. Andy, are you there? Have we cut off? I think that's all we got for the show today. I'm not sure if Andy's got anything more here. Um, that's what I've got. Um, thanks again for Jason Inc. joining us, former All-Star wrestler.